0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, all your regular listeners, and a big welcome to all your first-timers. Really glad you're here. If you've been a fan for a while and you'd like to help keep the podcast going, I am accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. My guest today has been a DJ since 2005 and is also an instructor. Based in Boulder, Colorado, she is regularly invited to DJ at a number of big festivals all throughout the U.S. and Canada, and as you can imagine, she has an impressive collection of both traditional and alternative music. And with me now is Tara Fortier. Tara, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So Tara, you've been doing tango for quite some time. How, how did you first fall in love with this dance?
1: Well, that's a very good question. So I actually, probably the first time I encountered tango
0: mm-hmm.
1: was back in the early 90s. So I had uh, one of my best friends and roommates was taking tango classes uh, at the time I lived in Montreal. That's my, my hometown,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: which actually has a, at the time and still now had a, a very vibrant tango scene. Yeah. Um, and so my, my roommate was taking classes and she she dragged me along to uh, Malanga probably in like 1994 or so. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching people dance and thinking that it looked completely magical. I didn't understand how it was that people knew where to put their feet. I was looking for signs like, you know, what were they doing with their hands or what are they doing with their body to be able to send these messages?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then from there on, I really didn't do any tango. So I I, but it was in the back of my mind okay. uh, for years, and I eventually moved to the U.S. and I went to grad school. And when I was writing my my thesis, mm-hmm. I decided I was going to check out tango again. Mm-hmm. And so I had a boyfriend at the time, and like very occasionally, maybe you know once or twice a year, we'd go and take a tango class. So it was kind of in the periphery of my life. But I was pretty exhausted writing my dissertation. One night, I decided I wanted to go tango dancing, mm-hmm. and I went to a malanga in Boulder, Colorado. Nice and. That was kind of the start of my tango being part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there I actually met who would become my future partner,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Nick Jones.
2: Oh. And I
1: remember dancing with him and I, I was very much a beginner, so I really didn't know what I was doing. So I'd go, you know, I'd go with like platform shoes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very <laughs> naive, but I had a background kind of dancing and maybe a little bit more kind of on the hip hop cop kind of clubbing side. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a similar kind of background. He was able to deal with me movement wise and he made tango feel very magical to me and so I felt a deeper connection with it and from there we started um you know both a relationship as well as a tango partnership Mm -hmm. soon after we met he actually was going to Argentina and I Mm. was finishing my PhD and I had I would decide to take six months off and then we both went to Argentina together and that's where I really started learning how to dance
0: nice with him Nice. Yeah. What was your very first tango lesson like? Do you remember?
1: I mean, I don't really remember many of, like in Colorado, I don't really (laughs) remember many of my, my tango lessons. Uh I mean, I do remember taking a, a, when I was a grad student, I remember going to the university and the university had, had tango classes for students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember taking a lesson with James Fregan who ended up becoming, uh, eventually becoming a national tango dancer. Maybe he was at the time. I can't remember. I didn't, I didn't know him. Okay. Um, but I remember I remember being very intrigued because he, he taught in such a different way. Mm. Um, and we weren't that different in age. And so he was kind of a peer. Okay. Which was nice. So I remember taking a class with him. And that was really fun. And then eventually I moved to Argentina. And I, well, I went to, <laughs> and I didn't move to Argentina, but I went to Argentina for like three months. Yeah. And I became immersed in it. And I feel like I just took, a, I think, probably one of my first classes with, with Julio and Karina
2: mm-hmm. on yeah. counter
1: body motion. Ah. And I had no idea what counter body motion was. Mm hmm and i remember thinking this was way way above anything i'd seen before mhm i can't remember what they were doing yeah. i can't remember they were doing ganchos <laughs> or baleos or something and i was just like i was like i need to i need to i need to go back to basics yeah. i need to learn how to walk yeah. before i <laughs> i could take this class so
0: mm-hmm. did, did you pick this dance up pretty pick it up pretty quickly or
1: i feel like i picked it up Pretty fast. Okay. I, I mean, I think there was a the co- combination I had. I was pretty good with movement mm. in general. So I, I didn't actually have a lot of background in dance, but I did have some background in martial arts and figure uh-huh. skating. Okay. And I felt like the combination of those two were were pretty helpful. And I just, I mean, I love dance in general. I love music.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so it fulfilled something kind of important that mm-hmm. I felt like I was missing in my life
2: yeah.
1: um, at the time. And then at the same time, I got to go to, I got to really start my learning how learning tango in Argentina and learning Mm -hmm. with somebody who was already advanced and -hmm. who was already a teacher, like not at the national level quite yet, but you know, on their way. And so I felt like they gave me a huge leg up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a pretty amazing experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was, was your first impression of being in in Buenos Aires dancing?
1: Well, at first I didn't even know why I wasn't sure why I was going there. The idea (laughs) was I was, I was just going to go down for two weeks because my, you know, my boyfriend at we weren't even sure if we were in a relationship at that time, but you mm. know, I think his idea was he was going to go and try to find a p- partner mm. and develop a partnership with someone, and then have that person become their partner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's nice." I think I want to go to Bolivia <laughs> 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 after visiting Argentina for a t- for two weeks, but I don't know how I. I can't quite remember how I got roped into it. Whether I decided I wanted to stay where, whether he asked me to stay. I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm a very studious person. Okay, because I have a background in science. Mm-hmm. So I try to approach things very rigorously. Okay. And so I definitely dedicated myself to it mm-hmm. uh, when I decided I was going to do it. And so, I mean, I, I'd been, yeah, I I'd, I'd just spent five and a half years doing a PhD and then yeah. showing up in Argentina was shocking because I'd worked so much mm-hmm. uh, for so many years.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: suddenly I had this time off. And so like a true overachiever, mm-hmm. a type um, workaholic, Mm-hmm. I kind of designed myself a teaching schedule okay. for myself to learn this dance. <laughs> yeah. And so I I took it, I felt like I, I, I just loved it. Like it was it was such a great experience to be in like a foreign country like that. And also to be able to immerse yourself yeah. in the arts. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I love about this dance is like you, a lot of people, I think they can identify with what you just said. They They're very studious about it. And some people... Um, they approach learning in a different way, yet you can achieve so much in this in this dance when you approach it the way that you're comfortable doing it. hmm Yeah. What's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten, I guess, earlier in your tango journey that, that still resonates with you today?
1: Oh my God, that's a very good question. I have to think about that one for a second. <laughs> yeah, take your time. Good advice. So... When I, when we went to Argentina, I think mm-hmm. originally Nick wanted to study with Julio and Carina, but I, maybe mm-hmm. they decided he wasn't ready, or maybe it's because he had a he didn't have a partner, mm-hmm. and so we ended up looking around for new teachers, and who we found was some, a kind of odd couple, but we just loved them, and there was Pulpo
2: mm-hmm. Espres
1: and yeah. uh, Luisa Paez, mm-hmm. and they really took us on. Uh, very seriously as students and one thing that i really appreciated about pulpa i mean he had quite the personality yeah (laughs) um and quite the reputation Mm -hmm. you know both as a tango dancer and as a a teacher Mm -hmm. um but one thing that he really liked to do is he liked to throw us in the deep end which Mm -hmm. was so fun yeah like he he had such a great like rebellious and fun spirit yeah and i remember once he We'd, we'd spend these, I think we'd take lessons with them twice a week mm-hmm. and they were supposed to be hour lessons but sometimes they go on for three or five hours uh-huh. and they'd only tra- charge us for an hour but he at one point taught us this great leg wrap lift. It was just mm-hmm. a fabulously beautiful lift mm-hmm. and I remember we, we went to a Malonga. I think it was mm-hmm. like Niño Bien or something like that okay. and he, he said, you know, the floor empties during the, during the cortinas but he said, I want you to get on the floor
2: mm-hmm.
1: right as the cortina ends and I want you to start dancing and do the move, that that lift right away in front of everyone. Okay. (laughs) And so, and we got out there and we did it. And it was just like, I was like a little freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we just learned it. And it was very, it felt like a very public thing to do. Yeah. But it was such a fun challenge. And I remember it kind of woke up something in me in terms Mm. of like maybe a little bit of an exhibitionist streak. Okay. Or just, you know, just, you know, get out there and just try to do something fantastic and put yourself out there and lose the shame and the fear Yeah, and just go for it. I, I remember that as a very, very specific and important memory for me personally. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 I had one private with him once and it was just really funny. Like he would teach us. he would leave for a smoking break and come back, but he could watch and just point things out and say, no, do it that way. And he just had such a way of looking at things. Yes. It was really, it was really, mm-hmm. neat. I like that rebellious streak. Like you said, yeah. So, Tara, you also teach yourself, right?
1: Yes, I teach less now. In I, mm-hmm. I used to teach quite a lot in the kind of um, mid 2000s. Okay. Um, and then eventually I decided I wanted to have a family, okay. which was less compatible than <laughs> with a tango lifestyle. Yeah. But I did, I taught for many years. Mm-hmm. I DJ now. Right. Um, and I, I helped um, organize the San Diego Tango mm-hmm. Festival, and I used to help organize the Denver Festivals.
0: Nice. Yeah. How did you get into teaching back uh, back in the two thousands, earlier two thousands?
1: Uh, well, it's was, it was basically through that experience in mm-hmm. Argentina and pairing up with Nick Jones. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, I mean, when I went down to Argentina, I was kind of trained by Pulpo and Luisa. Mm-hmm. to be Nick's partner.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so and he was such a great mentor, mm-hmm. but also a really good supporter and a sponsor. Yeah. Say he, he gave us great sponsorship. So we came back to the U.S., and he was teaching in, uh, in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and he asked as part of his contract to go there that we be invited mm-hmm. as kind of his pro- protégés, not to teach, but to perform. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of our first performances together publicly. Mm. So, I mean, I had, at that point, I had been dancing for like five months, so was pretty intimidating, but I was game.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And so uh, we went to Las Vegas and we performed, and from there mm-hmm. uh, we started getting invitations to uh, national festivals. Mm. So, uh, so it, for, for me at least, it picked up very quickly from the yeah. beginning. So we started. I think one of our first um, national teaching gigs at that point was Portland Tango Festival. Nice. Um, and that was a really great jumping point in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making contacts and meeting with organizers um, to get more gigs, mm-hmm. um, within the
0: U S yeah. 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 So I got a teaching question for you, Tara. Of so course. a lot of our listeners, they are, uh, are just starting to get hooked in tango, you know, in your teaching experience, what were some bad habits or common mistakes that you would find yourself addressing again and again, whenever you went to festivals and worked with different people?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I love questions like that. So <laughs> I was a very technique based teacher. Mm hmm because I, I, I come from a physics background and nice. so I liked teaching tango from a body mechanics point of view.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and one thing that I'd say like one thing I'd say is this is this is more of a a bad habit that I saw followers have
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, is that they had a tendency to put them pitch themselves forward on their toes mm. and then lean, lean forward, oh. and that would. That would cause them to be very stiff. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, if, if followers actually pitch yourself forward on their tone, toes and lean forward like a board,
2: mm-hmm. what it does
1: is it tightens up their calf muscles and their hamstrings and their butts. And it makes it so that they actually can't move smoothly. Mm-hmm. And so I spend a lot of time trying to get them to be able to actually stack their head on their shoulders and their shoulders on their hips
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and maintain kind of a spring like feeling on their toes so they can Mm -hmm. be on their on the balls of their feet, which is where you're agile, Mm -hmm. but maintain your axis at the same time so that you can have a movement that's light Mm -hmm. as opposed to one that's off balance and stiff. Yeah. That was my that was the biggest correction I gave to Mm -hmm. people. And the other thing that I give to men and women Mm -hmm. was that people have a tendency to lock their neck. So they don't move their head when they dance tango. Mm. So they end up they try to hold their, their head kind of in line with their shoulders. So their body kind of moves as a block. <laughs> and what would happen is yeah. that it's. I yeah, right. people did this so much. I think mm-hmm. also because of, of the way that people often dance together, they put their heads together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then what it does is it tightens the neck muscles. Mm-hmm. And then what that would do is it would bring, um, it would lock the, the shoulders and the upper back.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then what people would do is they'd start to lose sensitivity in their embrace.
2: Okay. And
1: so I feel like those are kind of two opposite mm-hmm. places, right? From the head, yeah, that would cause tension on the way down, and pitching yourself forward on your feet mm-hmm. would cause tension from the feet up. And but I, I'd always tell people to let their let their head go
2: mm-hmm.
1: where it needed to go to counterbalance their body movements.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was very important if you were doing Nuevo Tango, which was like very, you know, very much in at the time
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: uh, because some of the movements were kind of extreme. And you, if you actually try to just hold your head mm-hmm. straight up and down, I, I could just see it in their body, I could see the tension. Mm-hmm. from their neck down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Cause I guess a lot of us were thinking, we're not really thinking about that neck, but that's also really important to, to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So Tara, how about when you're earlier in your own tango journey, what were some bad habits you used to have and how did you get over them?
1: Oh, well, those were two of my worst habits. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. I mean, that's the thing is you, you, I, I learned, I felt like at, at the beginning, beginning, like luckily I, you know, I went Going to Argentina people started to correct me pretty mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. but when I when I started just before we went to Argentina that was the thing that I do is I see the people were kind of in this this you know kind of leaning mm-hmm. um, um, like people look like followers look like they were leaning on their partners and that's mm-hmm. I just did it by basically just pitching forward yeah onto my tippy mm-hmm. and I was wondering why I couldn't move properly and then I remember when I took some of my first beginner classes where they actually made me walk by myself mm-hmm. backwards okay. that I realized how how that was, how that didn't work. Mm. Um, but that was, that was a bad habit for me and it actually hurt the ball of my, my right foot Ooh. enormously to do that. Wow. Oh, and the other big, big, oh my God, the other thing that I did, which I, mm-hmm. which is really bad mm-hmm. is I had, and I think it was kind of, you know, some women dance this way, so mm-hmm. they kind of tilt their pelvis backwards oh. so that their butt looks particularly voluptuous when they're dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if you're, you know, over 25, mm-hmm. um, this going to lead to lower back. <laughs> yeah lower back spasms Mm -hmm. and problems and uh, and after having done that for like six six months and and kind of injuring my lower back I started to teach people to dance more like you'd you'd learn in like a yoga class of trying to keep a neutral pelvis right and engaging your core more to support Mm -hmm. the lower back so I felt like I I my mistakes led to injury
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it looks (laughs) it looks painful yeah so I like what you said about a lot of the 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 physical things that we need to, to correct you being very good on, on technique. And I also like, you know, what you said about, uh, after that Cortina, how you just went and did that leg wrap, how will just sort of uh, pushed you to do that. And that kind of leads to my next question that getting good at tango, there is, is that physical component of technique, but there's also this mental component as well. So, uh, in your opinion, Tara, what are some important, I think, mental aspects of tango that we should really think about?
1: Well, I think that some of the, I mean, I think the most mental aspect is probably more powerful than the physical aspect in many ways, right? So, I mean, I feel like you can, you can get the physical stuff down, but if you don't get the mental stuff down to go along with it, Mm -hmm. then you, you know, you really can't use your body to its fullest. Mm -hmm. I both lead and follow. And I feel like the mental approach to things is slightly different.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So for the follower, One thing that's really important is trusting yourself,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I found, especially as you get better. So, you know, ultimately, I try to tell this to followers all the time just to Mm -hmm. help them to relax because I feel like followers become very anxious. Mm
2: -hmm. One, because,
1: you know, they're afraid of not doing the movements correctly and they often don't trust themselves. So Mm -hmm. whenever I'd have, you know, wasn't dancing at my best and I'd always be like, oh, it's probably because my my ankles are stiff or because my my hips are stiff or maybe I'm bending my knees too much or maybe I'm not bending my knees enough. You know, uh, people have a tendency to judge themselves while they're dancing. And so while they're up in their head analyzing, they're Mm -hmm. not actually with their partners, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, tango is very much, you know, meditative. And so Mm -hmm. the most powerful thing you can do, of course, is to be in the moment and actually be with yourself and be with your partner, which is incredibly challenging to do, especially Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you're doing a good job and you can't trust yourself. And the thing that I like to try to, used to try to tell followers to do all the time is to understand that tango is made of, up a very basic steps in some ways for followers, right? You're mm-hmm. you're taking a forward step, or you're taking a side step, or you're taking a back step, or you're changing your weight and you're pivoting. Mm-hmm. And we're all after a certain amount of time experts in doing that, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so it's just stringing together a bunch of movements that we do really well, and to mm-hmm. just give yourself some compassion yeah. and understand that you actually can do those things, mm-hmm. um, and to trust yourself, yeah. um, and to remember to breathe. Yep, and to be with yourself and your body and with your partner mm-hmm. and the music, of course, mm-hmm. helps to put you in kind of in a frame of mind
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to dance your best and have the best experience for yourself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think and, and for
1: mm-hmm.
0: go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna say, yeah, trust ourselves. That's such a that's such an important thing to do. I mean, as you probably know, a lot of people who do who study tango, they're very they're perfectionists, they're high achieving people. I think the and on one level that's good, but there is sort of a double edged sword component in that we do end up being really really critical of ourselves.
1: Yeah, I know, and it's the same thing for leaders. So the one thing that I feel a lot of leaders have a tendency mm-hmm. to do is they have, from a mental standpoint, is that they're very goal oriented. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes. Um, they're trying to get to a specific movement, especially in classes, much more than necessarily in malangas. And what, what I see in terms of how it, that impedes leaders' abilities to learn as much as possible is that they spend so much time trying to get to the movement that they're trying to do mm-hmm. instead of actually using their physicality
2: mm-hmm. to
1: do all of the movement in between to get to that step, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, instead of being goal oriented, it's about it's kind of about the journey to yeah. the at end movement. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what sets you up for success is actually using the right geometry, using the right movement, using the right rhythm. And um, what's the word that I'm trying to find? Dynamic mm actually get you to achieve that final movement, whether it 's mm-hmm. a ballet or a gancho or just you know a cicada or something mm-hmm. simple, right is that all the setup is important to actually get you to do the movement properly mm-hmm. um, and the other thing that I see with leaders is because of that anxiousness to get somewhere yeah they forget to, they forget to breathe and they forget to pause while they're dancing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and this causes a certain monotony
2: mm-hmm. and actually
1: just taking the like the time to use phrases so you 'll have phrases in the music as ways to kind of mark pauses and uh, places for breath Mm -hmm. help to create kind of space in the dance for you and your partner Mm -hmm. and kind of give you mentally the space to be able to relax and think about what you're going to do next and also to be able to look around and see what's going on in the room right because from Mm -hmm. as much from the followers perspective that you need to be with your partner and in your space the, the leader actually is interacting with their partner and with the entire room and with the music as well and so you know being yeah being in the moment is is powerful for mm-hmm. both lead and
0: follow yeah yeah you just reminded me about the whole goal-oriented thing I think you're totally right I remember back when I was first learning i I was just so determined to get that cross and I've completely like you know ignored the line of dance I've knocked over some chairs body checked a couple people but I got that cross <laughs> it's like no no je there gotta, you go you gotta <laughs> Yeah. do you know you gotta step back sometimes. yes you have to watch where you're going too yeah so that's very 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 glad you're very glad you mentioned that so Tara you are also a very well-known DJ you've been to a number of really well-known festivals so how did you get into to DJing so
1: uh, when Nick and I were first Starting off, we uh, we taught a lot of students. So we taught at the university,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we wanted to be able to create a malanga that was specifically geared t- for students. Mm-hmm. And when we taught, we, we, we taught using a lot of alternative music because we felt that it would, tango music would be hard at first to try to draw in 18 to 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so we taught uh, with a lot of alternative music at the beginning of the classes,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then we'd mix in tango music at the end so that they can start to become more culturally aware Mm -hmm. Uh, For the music and then learn how to work with it Um, and so but we also decided to set up um, a local Mm malanga for students
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, in boulder on wednesday nights and we did the same thing there so we'd play a mixture between alternative music Mm -hmm. and tango music Mm -hmm. right so just to like help them integrate better with the community Mm -hmm. and then you know and then have music that they can relate to as well Mm -hmm. and so that's where i really started djing was at that malanga okay and so I learned to DJ both alternative
0: and tango music and mm. traditional tango music. Nice. So I, I imagine you've amassed quite a wonderful collection of of songs by now.
1: Oh no, and it's wonderful because I I feel like people can be very generous. So I I mean mm. I, I had at least two people just give me a hard drive. Yeah. Be like nice. take everything. Mm-hmm. I mean that's I mean I think that's actually really the easiest way to get into it. It's very hard if you have to go and collect all the music <laughs> right. Right. yourself one song at a time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Are you still discovering uh, songs, or maybe different versions of of songs that you're that you like?
1: Yes, because I feel like I'm so lucky. So I probably have something like four gigs of tango music, mm-hmm. and I have you know I've, over over the years because I I guess I've been DJing for 14 years now. Yeah, on and yeah. off. Is um, awesome. it, that I've you know I you know you start to go through your music, mm-hmm. rate all of it, organize it, yeah, and. Um, oftentimes the thing is you start to get bored with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so then I go searching around in this like repository of music, mm-hmm. looking for new songs, reevaluating old, old songs that mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I liked in the past, just to see if I've if i if I've changed my mind. You always yeah. change your mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and with uh, alternative music is actually the hardest. Yeah. Um, and I, I like finding songs at places like coffee shops. Coffee shops are like the best place to find alternative music mm-hmm. because it has kind of the right vibe. Because you're not usually looking for something too exciting,
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: usually the tempo is about right for tango. Yeah. Um, and then collecting songs that way, and then editing them yep. so that they're short.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you have the Shazam app ready on your phone at all times when you're? I do. Well, I
1: actually <laughs> use Soundhound, but I like I yeah. I just like you know feel songs from the coffee shop That's when I'm awesome. working.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's a great invention. Yeah. So are there some songs that you changed your minds so on? Maybe that you didn't really think much of. Uh, maybe one year, and then now you've given it a chance?
1: I mean, I feel like I've changed favorite orchestras many times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for a very long time, I really, and I still do, I really loved Old Canaro from the 30s mm-hmm. and 40s. Mm-hmm. I was never that much a fan of Colo. I don't, I, don't, okay. I don't know why.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I felt like, personally, for dancing, I really like songs that are uh, more upbeat, a little bit more staccato, mm. uh, or more marching. Okay. Like, that works very well with my personality, because... I feel like I'm very energetic, mm-hmm. and I do less well with the romantic music, depending on who I'm dancing with.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: but I've, you know, but I've learned to I've learned to love more some of these more kind of uh, romantic, mm-hmm. these more romantic orchestras, the ones that are are more lyrical. Okay. I think because it's it's important it's important to you have to you know when you're DJing you have to make sure that you change the energy and mm-hmm. the emotions. Okay. Um, otherwise, no matter what you're playing, it becomes kind of stagnant. Yeah. And monotonous. So I've, I feel like I've, you know, I, I go into the, I go often into the orchestra that I I like less, and I try to really find music that resonates mm-hmm. with me on some level. Mm-hmm. And usually, what I can find in songs that are more lyrical mm-hmm. is kind of a sense of passion in them that you yeah. can't find necessarily in music that's more st- uh, staccato. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So does your does your kid like tango music as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because nice. I mean, I went to Argentina, I went to Buenos Aires when I was pregnant. Okay. And I remember going to a lot of live music shows. Um, and listening to live tango. And I remember mm. I, I, I was pretty convinced she was dancing around.
2: Uh. She'd moved
1: so much. <laughs> when Because I was probably seven yeah I was seven months pregnant, I think. And so I could really feel her movement at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, it was my feeling, right? Because you can make up whatever you want when you're pregnant. Sure. That your kid is dancing, to, or at least moving to the music in some way, or at least inspired by the music. And mm-hmm. I remember when, I, when she was born, I would put on tango music, and you could tell that she was kind of listening. Oh. Or at least she was focusing on it, almost like she had some... She recognized it in some way. And what was really funny is that the music that she liked the most to sleep to was mm-hmm. Biagi. It's really? like the worst music that I can imagine having a kid sleep to. But she yeah. loved Biagi okay. when she was a baby. And it would put her to sleep. And I just thought, man, I don't know that I can listen for hours and hours <laughs> of Biagi. <laughs> I love Biagi, but, you know, like maybe I like a set here or there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, But, it's but she a, loved Biagi. That's great. Wow. Wow. You never know. Yeah. So is she starting to dance now or is she still too young for that?
1: Oh, well, she's come to, she, she, you know, she tries. Okay. She, uh, she, she came with me recently to the Albuquerque Tango Festival. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd have her like sleep on the floor. When she was a baby, I'd have her sleep in her car seat. Okay. Um, and so I, you know, tango is kind of a, quite a big, big part of her life. And what yeah. was really funny is that I, I remember I brought her to this milonga that I DJ mm-hmm. at pretty regularly. That's a mixed alternative um, and traditional milonga. Mm, okay. And I asked her if she wanted to dance with me. It was funny because she was probably like four or five at the time. Uh-huh. And there, I put on it. There was a set of alternative music. She's like, I don't want to dance unless it's tango.
2: <laughs> oh, all right.
1: <laughs> so she was a she was a little bit of a traditionalist, which one of the uh, one of the Milongueros in our community was really excited about that. You can have a five year old that doesn't yeah. want to dance to alternative music; okay. she doesn't like it as much as she likes <laughs> traditional tango, which I thought was very cute.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, raising the next generation of of tango dancers. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so Terry, that kind of reminds me of, yeah, speaking of, of that, you know, passing on knowledge, what are some good ways, in your opinions, you know, in communities for uh, the advanced students to help beginner students?
1: That's a good question. One thing that I think is very helpful, of course, is just dancing with them, giving them a shot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oftentimes, I feel like uh, more advanced dancers dance with more advanced dancers. And so I feel like it doesn't help bring up the next... Generation
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it also doesn't foster a sense of community. Yeah, if people are are clickish. Mm-hmm. But also, the thing that I think is helpful, and I tried to do this a lot with with students, was to give them music. Mm-hmm. So you know, I give them I, I don't know, I'm like part of me's is like, is this a bad thing to say legally? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you know, like I give them a thumb drive of some of mm-hmm. like a, a Malonga that I DJ'd or something like that, so they would have actually some tango music to dance to at home and listen to yeah. because. I feel like it's important to try to to, to to be able to dance tango well requires that you understand the music pretty well mm-hmm. and understand how to predict how how the music is actually played mm-hmm. um, so that you can dance to songs that you don't recognize as well, mm-hmm. but developing like a love a love and understanding of the music is incredibly powerful yeah. for being able to dance the dance well, and I think that, mm-hmm. that that helps to inspire people to really love the dance and the culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so that they actually have music that they can practice to at home. Or even dance to alone in their living
0: room, which I do all the time. Absolutely. Great. Great. All right. Well, Tara, this has been a lot of fun. So where do we find out more about you online?
1: Uh, You know, I have to, I have to say I have very little online social presence. Okay. So I, I have to apologize. I don't, I don't have a website and I don't really have a Facebook page that says much about me. Maybe I should consider putting something up. If I ever (laughs) do, I'll, I'll send you the link.
0: Okay. Well, we'll just look you up on a search engine and maybe we can catch Mm -hmm. up with you that way.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I, I think my email is on Facebook or it can be found other places. But, okay.
0: Um, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a search for you and find out where you're headed next. Awesome. All right. Well, Tara, thanks again for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. It was It was wonderful to talk to me. And if people do want to see me, I'm going to be DJing at the Austin Tango Festival in March. Awesome. As well as the San Miguel Tango Festival. Um in March in Mexico, which okay. I actually I highly recommend going to that festival. it's not a lot of people know about it. okay but it's a beautiful, beautiful heritage city in Mexico. Okay. Um, the dancers from Mexico are actually really amazing. They have mm. very similar movement to Argentines, but they have like this happiness okay and joy in them that it, <laughs> it's actually not always easy to find okay. in <laughs> Argentine dance dancers. and so um, I think people should check it out if they're interested in going. Or uh, you know, a tango break to
0: Mexico. Okay, great. Well, actually I'll put links onto those tango festivals in our show notes so people will be able to to find out more and, and hear your DJing.
1: Okay, well, wonderful. Thank you so much thank you. Um, for talking with me. It was fun to share the stories.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the listeners will definitely get a lot out of it as well. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Okay, that was fun. We went through a lot of stuff, and I really liked how Tara talked about her experience with trying out that new leg wrap movement she learned. Although she was really nervous, she went out and did it in full view of the public at that malanga and pulled it off. And from that, she learned that it's important to, in her words, try something fantastic. Now, not all teachers will recommend trying out a new figure in that manner, and many will suggest that you practice a new figure on your own before using it at a malanga. But regardless of which approach you take, at some point, you'll have to use new knowledge at a and it will require you to be daring to some degree. Now, how daring you choose to be is up to you. Just remember to be safe, but do go out there and give 100%. I also like Tara's advice for followers and leaders and how it's so important to be in the moment. For followers, don't be so anxious about getting the steps right. As Tara said, followers are generally doing just a few basic movements, stepping backwards, forwards, sideways, and some form of pivoting. That's all. Pretty basic stuff. And there's no need to overthink those movements. It's much more productive and more challenging, but definitely more productive to focus on connecting with your partners. And as Tara said, trust yourself. Give yourself some compassion. And for leaders, I liked how Tara points out how they tend to be goal-oriented, that when it comes to figuring out a new step, leaders tend to get fixated on the moment of execution. To be a good leader, you have to focus on all the elements around that execution moment. The setup beforehand, the follow-through afterwards, the moments in between weight changes, all of that is important. So thank you again, Tara, for sharing your experiences, sharing your insights, and for your time. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe, and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.